Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of season two of the Cortalinish podcast. I am your host, Zach Lilly, here today with another fascinating discussion on all things Portuguese football. We have got a fantastic guest for you today, Julio Costa, Julia Costa underscore L-I-S-B on Twitter. Fantastic account. One of my favorite data analysts that I follow on Twitter and uh, I believe has an interesting new job that I'm sure he'll tell us about. But uh, Julio, back for the second time. How are you doing? Hi, Zach. It's always a pleasure to be back to Cortelinhas. Uh, thank you for the invites and uh, yeah I, as you said an interesting role I'm currently working as a data scientist for Fulham an academy, academy data scientist uh, with some added responsibilities in terms of scouting for the club so exciting first month and a half at the moment and yeah really interesting absolutely fascinating uh, I'm glad that Fulham snapped you up uh, it's going to be you definitely deserve it very well. I, I want to touch up about, I, I want to, obviously we're going to talk about Primera action, uh, but just before, uh, can you talk to me about Fabio Carvajal? Because he is a very promising talent in Fulham right now, uh, born in Lisboa, but yeah, now playing for England's youth teams as well as Fulham. What, what do you make of Fabio? Well, so far, the little that I actually knew about Fabio before, <laughs> I joined the club and and I obviously I've seen his, his his stats and the first thing was like okay why is he is data not part of the under 23s and then I realized that he actually started some match like the last two matches right. for the first team last season uh, when he was still when Fulham was still at the Premier League and uh, his regard with with uh, you know quite an interesting feature at the club is like a very high uh, like hot prospects uh, for the club, and I've been hearing rumors that the you know like the Portuguese FA officials might want to try to you know to commit to Portugal to some future, but I guess that is going to be unlikely because he's been playing on the on the youth uh, England teams. I mean, he's interesting number yeah. ten. Um, and it suits well what Marco Silva wants to do at Fulham. Very promising young talent, and uh, I think it's the case with many of the talents that we'll be discussing today. I'm ex I'm excited to uh, get that little brief clip of knowledge from you on Fabio. Now let's switch gears and go to uh, the Primeira, okay, or Liga Bwin Portugal, as it is now known this season. So the Primeira Liga kicked off this past weekend. Uh, actually, on Friday, with Sporting taking a 3-0 victory against newly promoted Vizela to uh, begin their, their title defense on, on a strong note. Aruca losing to fellow uh, newly promoted side Estoril Praia. Uh, Braga left it late, but ended up picking up a 2-0 victory against Marichimo. And another, another interesting game that I saw I was checking out yesterday, Passos Gifajera beating Famalicao 2-0. And finally, to end off match day one, we have uh, Gil Vicente currently beating Boavista 3-0, thanks to a brace from Fran Navarro, product of uh, Valencia's Academy. Uh, Navarro, only 23 years old, so 
could be another very promising Spaniard to make that step up in the Primera, as we've seen with likes of uh, Mario Gonzalez and Eduardo Quaresma. For anybody who hasn't taken a look at this article, check out on Breaking Lines on BTL Vid on Twitter. Uh, check out our recent article on Boavista because it's just a fascinating recap of the club's history of the team, you know, going going from winning the Primera title, actually becoming the first team outside of Portugal's Big Three to win it uh, since Belenich in 1946, to getting relegated to the lower tiers of Portuguese football, now kind of teetering, you know, fought with relegation. And right now, it's it's definitely an uncertain situation for Boa Vista, uh, not least the fact that they're about to lose 3 nothing to, to uh, Gil Vicente. They've lost quite a few key players th- this summer. Uh, they have lost Ricardo Mangas to Bordeaux, who obviously have the same owner as Boavista Gerard Lopez. We also have likes of Paulinho, who, who departed and ended up going to a Saudi club, and Angel Gomez returning from his loan, as well as Leo Jardim uh, going back to Lille. Adil Rami rescinding his contract, and Albert Ellis actually looking likely to depart uh, just one year after joining from Houston. So clearly a lot of turmoil, a lot of departures set to take place uh, with Boavista. They narrowly staved off relegation on the final day of the season of, of last campaign. Uh, what, what do you make of their chances this season? Well, after everything that you just said, and and it's a a sad reality, actually, for a club that was always a very tough club. I remember growing up uh, watching the Primera Liga. Bovista was always pushing for that fourth place. And and I remember when they won the league, as you said, and and Sporting, Porto and Benfica bought a lot of players from that squad. They always you know, were still somehow competitive until they they went uh, relegated. And it's interesting because they do have a big fan base as well. So I, I wonder, you know, with all these um, recent uh, transfers from these players that managed to, to stay up, uh, it it's, seems like they're going to have very a very tough time, unless there's a miracle, to be honest. I don't see any new signings. Uh, I don't see them promoting academy players that much. Recently, I think they're going to struggle. My prediction is that they're going to stay last place or before last place. That that is what I think. It's realistically with all these players. It's unfortunate because they last season, as you said, they had so many interesting players that you would have thought they would be around mid-table. And they ended up struggling until the last match day. So now that a lot of these players are leaving, I'm not sure actually how they're going to go, to be honest. From the outside looking in, I mean, what do you make of Gerard Lopes, uh, Lopez's relationship um, with, with Boa Vista? Um, obviously took charge of them last year. Um, and I don't think, I, 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 I definitely think you have to give him credit for some of the moves that he did to help improve their squad um, and keep them, in general, using his financial power to keep them afloat um, and, and suffering another relegation, from suffering another relegation. But at the same time, you know, we are seeing uh, Gerard, Lopes, who, who, Gerard Lopez, who also took charge of Bordeaux um, the past few months, uh, kind of 
siphoning off key Bordeaux players such as Ricardo Mangas, as well as potentially Albert Ellis, um, and giving them to Bordeaux. Uh, it seems parasitic might be a bit harsh, but it, it has that sort of feel, you know. Um, I don't know. what it, it almost has kind of a Watford Udinese feel. So definitely taking the good and the bad. What, what do you make of uh, Boavista with, with this current ownership, ownership situation with Gerard, Gerard Lopez? I mean, it, it, I feel this is something kind of new in terms of club ownership in, in Portugal. I, I don't remember. I mean, maybe someone might correct me or not, but I don't remember in, in our league uh, history to have someone with two clubs and or maybe a third one and they would just move around players. I mean, agents do that, obviously, moving around players with clubs through negotiations, but there's usually fees involved. You try to believe there's less, you know, there's more actually transparency. You kind of understand how things go, loan here and buy player there. But it, it's just like so blatant with, with Lopez that, that it's just so weird. It, it makes you feel that okay, what, what are the risks for the league, for all the clubs like Bovista, which no respect, obviously, with the history, but, but in terms of financially problems, what will happen to those clubs now that will see themselves, uh, you know, in, in such situation that will require a foreigner um, ownership that has another club in a, another first division that will just have a carousel of players floating around when you actually need them to be more competitive and sustainable. So if it's, it's, it's very, very odd. You know, I never imagined that such a situation could actually occur. Or even if you tell me that what will be more likely someone foreign just to buy the club itself or to go own two clubs, it's, it's really strange to see that in the Portuguese league, I guess. It's a matter, I mean, I guess the market will close in uh, next three, four weeks. Uh, let's see what he's going to do, if he's going to bring uh, better players, if he's going to reassure the manager and the fans, because uh, at the moment I see Bovis uh, struggling uh, quite a lot. Yeah, I could not agree more. Uh, it does not look good for him. Still a lot of time for them to bring in new signings, of course. But uh, they need a lot of work. I mean, Paulinho, Rami, Mangas, Angel Gomes, they, they've lost a lot of big-time players. So it's not going to be easy uh, to stay up. Um, so now moving on to, to uh, another team that has been really besieged uh, by, by departures this season and, and this past summer, and that has gotten a lot weaker, uh, in my opinion. It's Belenich Sad. Belenich said uh, they have lost a few key players. Uh, Tiago Escaio going to Braga to actually replace his brother, Ricardo Escaio. Um, Ruben Lima going to Famalicão. Uh, Stanislav Kritsiuk going to Gil Vicente on a free transfer. Um, Silvestro Varela um, departing, going back to Porto. A lot of big-time departures, so I really was not surprised at all to see Porto uh, comfortably dominate them uh, at the Estadio do Dergao. Um, I did think that uh, it was, I would say it was almost a misleading scoreline. I thought that Porto should have won by a lot more. 
Um, was a bit surprised to see Petit not start Afonso Sousa, who in my opinion is, is, is one of the most creative players. But yeah, some Porto, a lot of uh, new faces, shall we say, in the starting lineup. Um, Tony Martinez, a player who joined from Famalicao uh, the previous summer, but kind of didn't get many much in the way of starting opportunities until the latter end of the season. Uh, Luis Diaz, another player uh, who kind of on the fringes of lineup, uh, who had an amazing Copa America, arguably the best player in the tournament, not named Messi or Neymar, um, having a phenomenal performance. Bruno Costa coming into midfield, starting alongside Sergio Oliveira on the back of a great season for Paso Chipeira. And uh, finally, two Olival-made products, uh, two Academy-made products uh, from Diogo Costa and João Mario, uh, doing quite well to, in defense to help, to help their team get a clean sheet. Um, I want to start off by talking about João Mario because I do feel like he has been one of the biggest revelations of Porto's preseason and he carried that form over with a really solid uh, performance going, going forward um, and, you know, exploiting space and linking up. Overall, it does seem like he's a much more attack-minded option than the likes of Wilson, Manapa, Kahasa, um, Nanu, so on and so on. Uh, talk to me about what, what you've made of João Mario's uh, performances at right back, which obviously is in his natural position. Yeah, as you said, he has been an interesting name. And I've seen, if I'm not mistaken, the last two matches or so when the league was kind of done for Porto. And it was really interesting because João Mario was is like a right winger. And, and then he's suddenly been playing as a right back. And a lot of people were questioning, well, is it going to be another Corona case where... He cannot hold himself defensively. He's going to just explore the width and 1v1 situations. But he actually is a very intelligent player. And, and I guess that's also the reason why the adaptation went quite quicker and smoothly. Uh, and he not only has uh, great technical skills, also his 1v1 duels are quite good attacking and both defensively. And is way better, like technically, than uh, all the all the right backs in, in in the squad. So that that's definitely quite interesting. One thing I find it really um, really interesting about him is that you start seeing a lot of um, interior spaces be occupied by him because now at this game, Otavio was playing as a the right winger uh, side while he would go and switch around and, and you could see him to explore that space behind the, the B-Sad's uh, left back where usually the defender is either waiting for Otavio or that player in that position and Tony Martinez or Taremi. So they don't really know which one to engage and that's uh, when the, the attributes that Joe Mari has great ones as an attacking winger. He's using that as a right back, and I would say it's probably one of the best signings for um, for Porto. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'd call it a signing, but I, I get I get what you mean. Um, it's it's funny you mention that. I mean, one thing that I tweeted uh, during the Porto B sad game, two nothing victory, 
was that letting letting Musa Morega go to Al Hilal on a free transfer may just have been Porta's smartest signing. Um, obviously, it wasn't a signing; it was a departure, um, and you know, it may have been a bit harsh uh, considering that that Marega has been an important and hardworking player and very important part of Sergio Conceição's Porto since uh, since since joining uh, from I believe it was Maritimo um, in in 2016, but. I, I do think that, and this is something that we've been saying on Cortellinius for a while. We've been, I remember saying this back in May um, on, on a, a Cortellinius episode with Marcus Alves. The fact that Porto just seemed to play a much smoother, much more free-flowing football without Marega in the lineup. Um, and I think that you know, the lack of, of the, the Malian striker uh, in the, the final games of the season last season, but also this first game, it's definitely very noticeable. You see far more creative players such as Luis Diaz um, and Tony Martinez, you know, really having the liberty to, to combine more and having more time on the ball. I, I think in general, um, Marega was holding them back. And I think that, you know, it's funny because Porto have not had, they haven't been very active in the transfer market. I'd say much less active than, than, Benfica and Sporting so far, but I do think that uh, losing Marega, considering the fact that you know Conceição was just so stubborn with him and really would not take him out of the lineup when he wasn't playing well. Um, I remember he went so many minutes without scoring a goal last season, um, or and so so now with with Marega out, it, it does seem like uh, Porto just have a lot more liberty to play smoother, free flowing football. Um, I'm curious to see what, what your thoughts are on, on that. Well, it is as just, just as you say, like Cosisson was a bit stubborn with Marega uh, due to every, all, I guess it's, it's just that coach-player relationship when you've gone and win so much together and you had so many good moments together. I guess that just that reluctancy to to drop him it's interesting because Tony Martinez has a lot of the the attributes that Morega has in terms of you know what could offer to the game in terms of death uh, you know going and all that playing the line waiting for uh, some player to come in and receive and maybe do a bounce back of course he doesn't have the same <laughs> pace as Morega had, because that was his, his strength. But uh, Tony Martinez is a very intelligent player as well. And, and, and as you said, you can see how smooth and more uh, creative uh, are the players up front now. And, and again, I think we still have players like Taremi to speak as well. <laughs> we have players that were not playing like Corona, Vitinha, uh, Fabio Vieira, and... I guess now Porter will, as you said, with not not many signings apart from Pepe, you see that that the attacking options and midfield options of of Porter are actually stacking up, and you have Luis Diaz with amazing Copa America, as it was mentioned, who can clearly be coming from the left to the right. Uh, the same thing with with most of the attacking players are quite mobile. And I guess that's the difference as well 
you have good uh, finishers like Tony Martinez and, and Taremi as well. I, I would say that Barrega's uh, departure won't be that much missed from from uh, Porto at all. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think that Porto have not done much in the transfer market. Obviously, bringing in Pepe from Gremio, uh, brought in I think Marco Grujic uh, from from Liverpool, uh, Fabio Cardoso from Santa Clara. But in general, not as not not very active. I would say I do think that Marega will have plenty of impact, and I think we saw that with likes of uh, Tony Martinez, uh, Joao Mario, Luis, and and Luis Diaz um, having so much more, you know, freedom to combine. Uh, so, and I I was absolutely blown away by Diaz. I mean, this guy was just phenomenal at Copa America and it really just made you think how how is this guy not starting for Porto how is this guy not starting for Porto because I mean looking back last season uh it was typically Tecatito and Otavio on the wings Sergio Oliveira um and Mateus Uribe in the double pivot with Musa Marega and uh and and Meritaremi up top I definitely think you saw you know just how how much more you know, free, free and, and fluid that they, they can be uh, without that. So overall, some very promising signs. Um, and yeah, I, I think that even with not many transfers coming in, I think it's going to be, I, I think Porto have what it takes to, to win the title this season. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, as for the opponent, what, what, are, what are you giving Bill and Inch Suds, uh, B-Sads, uh, chances of, of staying up with with so many players such as Kritsiok, Ruben Lima, uh, so on, so on, gone. Well, it's quite interesting because last season, you know, obviously they lost all these players that that, that you said, and it's interesting because they considered one of the fewest outside the top four, <laughs> but they were one of the worst attacker attacking teams in terms of goal scored. So it was a really, really interesting thing that that I saw, and I guess with bringing Pedro Nuno in terms of of a front player it might be interesting. As you said, I don't understand how Alfonso Souza was not playing. Is like he's one of uh, the one of interesting uh, CMs that I've seen in a long time. I don't understand how Porto let him go on a free transfer either. <laughs> Because he he has a lot of quality, creativity, um, for a player of his of his standard, I could see him easily play in Braga, maybe in Vitoria. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting uh, player. Also, Afonso Taira is not bad. I think with uh, I'm not sure if uh, Cassiera was from the start of the season with Bissad, but he's an interesting forward and I guess I can see them stay. Uh, not sure if Petit will become a kind of more of attacking mind uh, coach because his teams sit down a lot and then they will look for those attacking quick, tra- quick transitions for fast players. Uh, let's say if on Sosa getting a quick transition in the midfield and and go quickly to Cassiera. That's what I can imagine being the case. I, I could see Bissad maybe 14th place, maybe. 
to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, Bisad, as you mentioned, uh, I don't know, almost like the Portuguese Burnley last season, you know, not very good going forward, but but solid, um, solid in the defense and finishing an impressive 10th place, 10th place in the Primera. But I've lost a lot of key players. I do think that Afonso Souza needs to be starting. He's one of their most creative players. Um, as you mentioned, Cassiera, ex-IX player, I think he's going to be important as well. Um, I, I think that between Sousa, between um, Casera, and as well as uh, Al Yun Ndor, an interesting little uh, Senegalese forward who who um, who had previously spent some time actually in in Virginia at Loudoun United, um, as well as some time in in Czech Republic, uh, joined in the summer. Twenty years old. Um, I think he he could be a potential. Uh, sleeper pick for, for a breakthrough star. I think that him, Sousa, and Cassiera could, could form a very nice uh, front three under Petit. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on now to, um, to another mid-table clash. <laughs> Sorry for, for all the people who wanted to hear uh, about Sporting or Benfica. We'll, we'll get to you soon. But uh, Portimonense, so going up against Vitoria de Guimarães, uh, and narrowly edging them with a with a late winner from who else but Beto. Um, if you've been listening to Cortalinius, you know just how great of a second half of the season Beto had um, at Portimonense. Uh, really been a rapid rise for him, 23 years old, and uh, you know has has attracted plenty of interest from both domestic and foreign teams. Um, and he did it once again, where it looked like, you know, I thought that, I thought that in general, Vitoria looked, looked the better side, but, uh, Beto sneaking in past, I believe it was, uh, Tony Borekovic actually, but Borekovic previously at Hio Av joined, uh, joined, joined Vitoria in the summer transfer window. Beto sneaking in past, uh, Borekovic and just tapping, just glidely tapping in, uh, Ailton Boamorch's uh, cross to to win it for Portimonense. So talk to me about talk to me about Portimonense's uh, chances this season and uh, just how just how impressed are you with Beto? Well, it's it's an interesting kind of uh, I would say, especially the the attacking options because if you look at uh, Boamorte uh, and and Beto up front, and also they have a really good link with Fabrizio. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was injured for most of the season uh, last season. He has been uh, phenomenal. Eleven goals last season for Portimonense. Again, a team that you would expect to actually go down, and they stayed up. and And he was also a big part of of that. Um, that campaign. I mean, <laughs> really interesting forward, has pace, uh, f- exploits that really well, all dubs play. Um, he's quite aggressive in the final third. Again, you see most of the goals he scored last last season, and and there were various types and such a good a good forward uh, type of goals as well. I'm definitely impressed, and I can see with the current setup. They will probably finish a bit more comfortable than last season. 
if Portimonense doesn't lose uh, any key players or, or better, because I know that in the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talks about him leaving to move abroad or maybe to initially to Braga and to Benfica, but that didn't happen at all. So it should be quite interesting. Now, talking about the losing side for a second, Vitoria de Guimarães, um, I thought probably one of the more disappointing teams in Portugal last season. Uh, you know, a team that is, you know, usually accustomed to, to finishing, um, finishing, you know, high up the table. Uh, well, they didn't do too poorly. They, they were seventh, but I did think that they had the talent in their squad to do better. Um, and I don't know, it seemed like, I think one of one of the bigger, you know, like one one of the bigger criticisms that was lobbed at Vitoria was well they had a lot of, you know, exciting young players. It did seem like they they almost had the the feel of like some like a, a guy who was playing uh football manager on steroids, you know, just like buying a bunch of random young players uh and adding them to their squad and just kind of hoping that they hoping that they stuck. So you saw I mean, obviously, we had we had Marcus Edwards in in um, two season, two summers ago, but uh, last summer I think saw Lyle Foster, Dennis Will Poha, J- Noah John Holm. Um, so quite a few young players, Abdul Moomin from North Shetland. So quite a few young players who didn't really have didn't really live up to the billing. Um, this summer, on the other hand, we we've seen Peppa come in as manager after a phenomenal season at Paso Chipeira. Um And, you know, not many massive departures, I must say. Um, and you, you do have more. I think it's, it's only, only three signings so far. Uh, Thiago Silva coming in from Olympiakos. Uh, Tony Borekovic, as I mentioned, coming in from Hio Av, recently relegated Hio Av. Uh, and Alfa Samedo joining... Uh, from Benfica um, after a, I believe a few loan spells at Nottingham Forest and uh, and Reading. So what what do you make of this Vitoria team? Um, what do you give their chances for finishing uh, in a European spot? And uh, what do you think is, is are going to be the biggest challenges for Pepa to address this season? Well, as you said, it was very disappointing for Vitoria Guimarães last season. Uh, they were actually, let's say, in the first half of the season, they were quite fifth uh, place and so on with Passos Ferreira. So they were quite close and, and fighting for that Europa League uh, and Conference League spots. And then out of a sudden, just a break and everything just gone wrong. I mean, it could, could be an experience from these players, as you mentioned. Um, obviously, I do believe uh, that, you know, they they had really good youth players, young players in the squad, but sometimes you need a bit more experience. And I would guess that that's what the new signings might add. Uh, obviously, you have a very experienced player as well in the squad, like Quaresma, uh, Ricardo Quaresma. So that, that is always a, a boost in that sense and and yeah and Marcus Edward I was actually a bit disappointed because last season towards the end I personally I think uh, it didn't live up compared to the previous one so I, I I do think that that 
Vitor Guimarães has a, an interesting squad now with Pepe creating new routines, uh, getting to that four-three-three and, and those interesting players uh, with Alpha Semedo. I guess the experiences that they have lived in terms of that DM position might be interesting as well to the game. Uh, the way that he wants and the reaction to to losing. And, and as you said, they were actually on top of the game. Uh, better did sneak in, but uh, I'm quite positive that they should finish about 6-7. Uh, try try for a spot in in the in the Europa competitions. Yeah, that's that's a decent goal, I would say. Getting getting back into Europe has to be the priority. I think you know you mentioned a good point, Marcus Edwards, definitely one of the more talked about youngsters uh, in the Primera. I think obviously being English is part of it, but let's also you know let's also remember that he was fantastic fantastic in the 2019-20 campaign for Vitoria. was a bit inconsistent. I felt almost outshadowed by the likes of uh, Ricardo Quaresma and Bochinha at times. Uh, Getting Edwards to deliver on a consistent basis will be massive, not just for for Vitoria's chances of getting Europe, but of their chances of of securing a massive transfer fee for him. Um, I think that Edwards... It recently renewed his contract um, and, you know, obviously increased his release clause. So uh, it isn't, I believe it was 15 million euros previously. It's, it's a lot more than that. So English clubs, if you're, if you're listening, you've missed your chance to get him for uh, a cheap fee. But um, I, I, I think that, I think Vitoria's record transfer fee is, uh, is the 25 million that they got for, or maybe it was 30 million that they got for, uh, Edmund Tapsoba um, from Bayer Leverkusen. Um, if Edwards can can reach the the hype of two seasons prior and and just deliver on a consistent basis, um, I definitely think that Vitoria and and their bank account is going to prosper as a result. Um, so moving on now, let's let's go back to the curtain raiser, or not the curtain raiser, but the opener of the Liga B win Portugal season. So Portuguese football, the, the season kind of kicked off with the Portuguese Super Cup, which saw um, Sporting defeat Braga, um, come back from, from a goal down and, and win uh, fairly comfortably 2-1. Um, Sporting opened the Liga, the Primeira season, um, and defeated newly promoted Vicela. So... Some interesting, a bit of an interesting first half. Um, I believe Jovan missed a penalty, and uh, and and uh, Vizela, I think, nearly scored, but I think it was called off. Um, Sporting, though, you know, a few a few big absences, um, and and a few times where it looked like Vizela uh, were were close to 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 equalizing or even opening the scoring. Uh, but eventually I think that they were, it's, it's fair to say that they were saved by the individual brilliance of Pedro Gonçalves. Um, talk to me about Pote. First off, on a scale from 1 to 100, how upset are you that Fernando Santos did not play Pote in a single match uh, this Euros? And, and second of all, um, how important is he going to be for Sporting's attack this season? Well, 
from one to 100, I would say 120, obviously. Uh, and it's, he's a quite interesting player. Obviously, playing on, on that kind of front three, which is, is, is on paper front three, that he plays at Sporting and the same kind of way that we played in Portugal. Uh, and, and I keep thinking to myself, yes, he might not have that big game involvement, but when you need him to be, you know, facing the goal, uh, in that dangerous area, he will score that because he's such a good finisher. And maybe I'm I'm doing this kind of comparison, and and it not might be very good. But I do remember last time that Sporting had such a good uh, midfielder that was such a good goal scoring, which is Bruno Fernandes. And maybe I'm doing this comparison because it's just very a very easy comparison to do. But it's just crazy that he played. He didn't play a single minute. Uh, and again, I have these discussions and I do appreciate Jota's uh, ability, uh, but he was not, uh, let's say, he, he was not nearly on the level uh, that he has he been was, for he Liverpool. He was rubbish. He was rubbish. Yeah. He was yeah. terrible. I mean, yeah. he wasn't the only terrible player, but Diogo Jota was absolutely horrendous. Uh, yeah. Euros. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Liverpool fans. You know, feel free to block me, unfollow me. Uh, your boy was horrendous. And he wasn't, he was far from the only player who was horrendous for Portugal. Um, so not many changes from, from the sporting side that, that won uh, the league title last season. Um, we did see changes at, in, in, in the wingbacks. So Ricardo Escayo. Um, and Huben Vinagre, two summer signings, uh, filling in for the injured Pedro Porro and Nuno Mench, uh, as well as Mateus Nunes uh, taking the place of, of João Mario, who is now at Benfica, um, and, and as well as Jovan Cabral starting uh, on the left flank um, in the place of Nuno Santos, who was typically used uh, in, in the complementary role. So, uh, Jovan, interesting player. You know, he, I thought he was absolutely fantastic during Project Restart under the first few weeks under uh, Hubin Amorim, but uh, has been more of a super sub, and it's clear why. You know, he's, he's so explosive and so useful against tired legs, but uh, got the start against Vizela, and uh, I, thought, I thought did fairly well. Um, 23 years old. Is this finally going to be the season where Jovan, you know, showcases his potential and uh, potentially gets a big move? Well, to answer that, actually, I just want to answer something that someone I read on Twitter. And as you said, with Ricardo's guy uh, replacing Pedro Pojo's injury and, and also Ruben Vinagre replacing Nuno Mendes. And it's interesting how we have about four of the best five uh, wing backs, uh, uh, if you want to, you know, uh, of the of the league, it's just really and interesting. And the rest of Yes, exactly. It's we have about like those five out of six amazing uh, wing backs. Seven, if uh, with uh, I will say they're probably in top ten. Um, going to Giovanni is quite inconsistent, and I feel that's the reason why he's been the super sub and. 
I, I do believe he was okay against Vizela, but still he could be a bit better. Maybe it's just that there's... I mean, I don't... And I don't say that Nunesens is is not a great player. I think he's a very good player. Um, he, he has a different role than Jovan, as you mentioned. And I, I do believe if Jovan keeps being more consistent, he, he can bring the, that flair and explosiveness uh, that he has uh, to more of a wide areas going in. He is also very useful. And you can see him that he actually can play well as well. Uh, with Paulinho because Paulinho will probably go deep and drag a player open up spaces and that's where Jovan can go um, inwards to the goal and to that space created because he's quite fast so it should be interesting and I do think if he has a bit more criteria sometimes in in finishing uh, and he becomes more consistent I, I can definitely say it's it's his uh, you know big season also, props to Mateus Nunes coming in and, and replacing Romario. And I do find a bit something different to the game now that is actually more vertical. You can see how his progressive passes are, are much better now uh, compared to last season. And again, he fits like a glove next to Palinha. So uh, amazing that Mateus Nunes has just started and, and yeah, playing amazing. Yeah, definitely agree with Mateus Nunes. Uh, we keep, you know, hyping him up. He, he's he's earned that. I mean, um, I think that there was some interest uh, from Everton, but it seems to have died off now. See what happens in the final weeks of the transfer market. But overall, I do think that right now he's he's probably best set to fill that uh, vacancy in midfield left by Joao Mario. Um, and yeah, you made a great point with the fullbacks. You know, the fact that the fact that Sporting can be without their two uh, two starting fullbacks and yet still have arguably the best set of wingbacks in the league, uh, it just it's just phenomenal. I mean, do you think that like looking at looking at Sporting's backup wingbacks, okay, and Ricardo Escayo and and Rubin Vinagre, um, do you think that both of those would be starting in the in in at Porto or Benfica? I mean, Porto. Okay, you've got Joao Mario, who's, who's done well at left back, and then Joao Mario doing well at right back, and left back, a bit more of a concern. Zaidu Sanusi and Wilson Manafa not really providing much in the way of guarantees. Um, as for Benfica, I guess uh, Diogo Gonçalves and, and Alex Grimaldo is, is sort of the go-to pairing right now. Um, do you think that both of those players start at Porto and Benfica, or, or what? It's interesting because at Benfica, I would say Grimaldo is a very, very, it's, it's one of the other top left backs in the league. But again, I, I do find some defensive issues uh, with Grimaldo and the way that he engages in certain situations. Also depends if he's playing as more of a wing back or in the back four and which player is on top of him at Benfica. But based on last season, I would say that uh, both of them would have started <laughs> without enough, uh, if they were playing at Benfica. With Porto, I still think with experience that these two have, I would still put them as well. I understand that Joe Mari has been amazing right now. And, and again, he has a, a big 
season ahead, no questions. But if we looked on based on numbers and, and how they finished last season, there was no question that, that the two, they would probably be a, a first choice. Not only because in Benfica, Grimaldo had that injury as well, uh, which they, they lacked that, but also Diogo Gonçalves came about the last games as well, the last part of the season for Benfica. So I would say, I would probably say, yeah. Yeah, some very shrewd points as usual. Um, moving on to Benfica, you know, mentioned Benfica. Uh, so, you know, playing, playing, uh, opening their Liga uh, B win Portugal season ahead of the second leg of the, uh, of their Champions League qualifier against Spartak Moscow, winning the first leg 2-0 um, in, in Moscow. And yeah, faced off against Moreirense at, uh, at Moreira Giconegos, um, grabbing a 2 nothing uh, lead early on via goals from Lucas Verishimo and Luca Waldschmidt, the two Lucas, <laughs> um, conceding a, a goal to Moreirense via Rafael Martins and uh, having to play down a man for over the, the, the last half hour of the match thanks to a red card from Diogo Gonçalves. Um, what did you make of this match? I thought that um, the the two Lucas, apart from the two Lucas, uh, I thought that one player who actually Im- impressed me was Gonzalo Ramos. And uh, I was talking about this a lot with, I was talking about Gonzalo a lot on on the first uh, episode of, of season two of Cortalinish with Tom Cundert. Um, Benfica have have such a plethora of strikers. You know, they they have um, Harris Seferovic, who's right now being linked to a move to Roma. Uh, Darwin Nunes, also linked to a move to Brighton. Uh, Carlos Vinicius, looks like he's on his way out to Eintracht Frankfurt. But even with, you know, even with those potential departures, you've still got, okay, Luca Waldschmidt. Um, you've got Roman Yaremchuk, who just joined uh, from Ghent for, I believe, 17 million euros. Um, and so it's easy to, you know, look at a player like Gonzalo Ramos, who hasn't really gotten much in the way of opportunities, 20 years old, and say, oh, he's just going to be the next, you know, youngster to, to struggle for minutes under George Jesus. But, uh, you know, while that was the case last season, I think that, I don't know, I think this season might, might just be his year. You know, coming in, came on uh, for, for an injured Seferovic against, against Spartak, and uh, started against Modernich, uh did quite well, in my opinion. Um, I think that even with even with Benfica currently have I uh, currently having I believe what seven strikers in their squad. Um, I, I I like Ramos's chances of 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 becoming a key player under Jesus and not you know straddling the line from from Benfica B and and just another you know, just another squad player to make up the numbers. Uh, what are your expectations for Gonzalo as a player, uh, as well as this season under George Jesus? Well, as you said, it was an interesting game. Uh, both Lucas were amazing. I mean, I think Lucas Verissimo has been... the. I, I did like the second half of the season from Otamendi, but I do believe Lucas Verissimo right now is probably the strongest centre-back, in my opinion. Not only what he brings defensively, but also very offensive. Uh, the way he, he progresses with the ball, he's the, one of the first uh, 
lines of of uh, playing out from the back from from Vlacodimos or or uh, from any other player they usually set up to him so he can progress and so on especially against teams that defend deeper uh, that's probably a good player to to initiate uh, that build up and also Volschmidt it's is is a really interesting player uh, free roaming kind of starting from the left, going more more into the central areas in good finishing uh, areas with really good uh, technique. I really like him. And with Gonzalo Ramos, also really interesting player, very mobile. And, and the situation with the seventh uh, forwards, there's still Rodrigo Pinho and so on. <laughs> I wonder, because Benfica, for so many years, they've always done this. They always buy so many players at one position and then they try to get rid of them and then they don't. So they just loan someone else. They lose money. I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, if you look at Seferovic, I still rate him as a very good forward. Uh, the same thing with Vinicius. He needs more opportunities. Uh, I guess with Darwin, he was a bit more expensive as well. 20-something, 20 22 millions, if, I, if I'm not, if not uh, mistaken. Again, unless Benfica sells them, I, I'm still confused. I know that Yarem Shuk is supposed to to start. Uh, I will say Gonzalo Ramos is a very good option uh, in in certain matches where, where you don't need to. And I, and I can see him after also the under-21 uh, Euro Cup. I can definitely see him getting more minutes on, on the first team this season. He will definitely be more regular. He's quite an intelligent player. The only thing he needs to improve right now is just on the finishing because he is on the right uh, place at the right time. His sense of positioning is very good, uh, very technical, very good at one of you ones as well. And good striking of the ball as well. He just misses so many chances. Yeah, I, I like Ramos a lot. I think he, as you said, he's very good at getting into the right chances. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Benfica, they just have, they have a way of kind of buying players that they really don't need to. I mean, I think Rodrigo Pino uh, could be a good example. Um, you know, it's, it seems like Pino is, is definitely a nice striker, and he was probably the biggest reason why uh, Marichimo stayed up last season. At the same time, do they really need him? You know, 30 years old, getting him on a, on a five-year contract, uh, free transfer, so decent business. But, like, I just think it's a bit greedy. You know, why not, why not, why not have another team like Praga or Vitoria um, get him when, when they need him a lot more? Obviously, Pino would rather join Benfica because he wants the b- bigger wage. But um, I just I'm not 100% sure that they needed him. You know, a 30 year old player, 31 maybe, who's um, coming off of a fantastic season. But it just it just doesn't really make sense considering their situation with strikers. Um, but yeah, overall promising promising stuff from Benfica. Did well to hold on to uh, that victory after after uh, Diogo Gonçalves' red card. Um, Diogo, you know, I thought was probably one of one of the bright sparks of their campaign last season. But uh, you know, letting his team down with that expulsion, 
um, it, it does seem like right back or right wing back, whichever one, you know, depending on whether or not George Jesus is playing a back three or back four, it does seem like that position is kind of one of Renfica's biggest weak spots. Um, and they really haven't solved that since the departure of Nelson Semedo to Barcelona. Uh, so looking at their options right now, Andre Almeida, Gilberto, um, and Diogo Gonçalves, in your opinion, who's, who is the best option? And uh, do you think it's good enough to, 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 to win the title if you're Benfica? I think that's the player with the most criteria. Actually, the, the safest option is Andre Almeida for defensive reasons, if he's playing in the back four. The problem is that I can see George Jesus keep playing it the back three and I would say Diogo Gonçalves is the, the most appropriate player for that he is more involved uh, in, and of course you assume that Benfica is going to be playing uh, is going to dominate the other teams that they're playing against uh, more often and I would say Diogo Gonçalves has uh, is a bit better obviously he's still young so he's still going to make some mistakes uh, like the, the the red card, I think that that was a silly uh, challenge, uh, but he will learn with time, and especially with someone like George Zouz that speaks with the players and makes sure that they, you know, mistakes like these are acceptable uh, in, in a way or another. And I do think he's still the best right back. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so without much further ado, I want to move on to our talent of the week section uh, where we focus on a player who's either playing in Portugal um, or a young Portuguese player who's, who's doing quite well for themselves. So I'm going to go to a game that we actually haven't talked about yet. Um, and that was uh, Tondela's 3 nothing victory over Santa Clara. That is, you know, a statement match, considering the fact that this is a Santa Clara team that finished in sixth place, and that is, you know, is currently, uh, you know, currently playing European football. Um, so, yeah, getting a 3 nothing, get, getting, a, getting a 3 nothing victory um, at, at home, thanks to actually a brace from Daniel Dos Anjos, who uh, you know previously spent as as previously spent the past five years, um, four or five years at Benfica's B team, never quite got much in the way of opportunities, um, but he, he you know he scored a brace. Brazilian striker who you know has spent some time at at Flamengo and Figueirense's academy, um, and so yeah, finally got a move, um, got got a move to Tondela. And scoring a brace uh, against against the Azorian side, so Daniel has definitely got some big shoes to fill um, with with Mario Gonzalez heading to Braga. Mario being one of the better strikers um, in Portugal last season. But overall, I think that you know Daniel not a, not exactly a like for like um, replacement. But I, I, I like the move, and I think that a lot of, a lot of Tondela's moves have been pretty intriguing. Uh, Daniel Dos Anjos, uh, Eduardo Quaresma, a player who uh, impressed me quite a lot in Project Restart um, and didn't really manage to kick on last season at Sporting, but still a very talented center back at 19 years old. 
the player that I'm going with, though, is not Daniel. It's not Eduardo. It is Tiago Dantas. So Tiago Dantas spent the last season on loan at Bayern Munich, despite not making, despite never playing in the Primera for Benfica. Um, Dantas has been a, a very promising talent, uh, Seychelles-made talent for Benfica in, in recent years, but hasn't really gotten the opportunities uh, that his talent deserves. Um, and I think that he was a bit foolish to to think that, oh, I can't I can't make the step up at Benfica. Let me go try bright. Let me try Bayern Munich. Um, there there were reports that uh, Hansi Flick had been impressed with him at a youth tournament previously, but I, I think that it was kind of a, a pie in the sky move, shall we say? But yeah, Dantas returning to Benfica um, and joining Tondela on loan. I really like this move, um, and I think we, that he showed um, in in this in this performance just how how impressive, how important he can be um, for this Tondela side. Uh, did quite a well. Did quite well in in spreading the ball around and distributing it, breaking the lines. Um, but but also defensively off the ball. I thought he was, did very well in in positioning himself um, in the right positions to 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 sweep up loose balls and uh, you know prevent Santa Clara from getting. Um, getting much in the way of attacks, uh, you know, played in kind of a deep lying playmaker role. And Dantas is, you know, he's a very small midfielder, very diminutive. I think only five six, five seven. Um, still looks like a baby. I think he he might still have braces. I don't know. He looks he looks very much like like you would look at this player and think, oh, he's he he looks younger than twenty years old. Um, but I do think that Tondela is the ideal move for him to kind of develop into a Primera-ready player. Uh, he's such a talented and aesthetically pleasing, pleasing midfielder to watch. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for this move. Uh, I think it's what – this kind of move is what a lot of players, a lot of promising uh, Benfica, Porto, and sporting players have, have, have not done enough of, is, you know, taking that step down – and and you know getting a starting spot at a tondela at a mortar inch at you know so on and so on um so before we move on to your talent of the week who what 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 do you make of dantas um and how how do you think this this loan move at tondela is going to go well as you said really interesting game um i think it's the right context the ideal context for him to have more minutes and grow up in, in the league uh, without a doubt with a really good manager that, that I appreciate a lot, Paco Esteban. I really think he is a really interesting manager and has a clear idea of how he wants Tondela to play. And and the link-up play with the midfield is really good. And and I also do like another player, uh, Rafael Barbosa, former sporting player, which... Uh, together they link up really well. Dantes, uh, Thiago Dantes, I think he controls the tempo quite well and uh, a good move for him. I hope it works well. I thought it was really interesting when he went to Bayern. Uh, I, everyone was expecting him not to have any minutes to, the first team to be realistic. But I, I hope this kind of player like Thiago Dantes which is subject of of somehow, uh, you know, like 
scrutiny in Portugal because we have kind of these players that are very intelligent players. They're, they're quite good, but because they are not physically imposing, it's like, okay, yeah, you shouldn't play on that role. You shouldn't play on this position. But I know it's a very different comparison, but if you look at uh, Pedri, for example, not the most physically imposing player at Barca, but you look how good he is just coming from the second division uh, to Barca last season and how many, 74 games, including national team and Olympic team. I mean, very different comparison, but... Where, where I do guess, you think where do you think Pedri would be playing if he was coached by George Jesus or Sergio Conceição? I honestly think he wouldn't be uh, playing in the first team. It would either be sold or loaned to another team. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that so many creative, talented players like Dantas, like Fabio Vieira, like Vitinha, they have definitely suffered from this conservative style of thinking in Portuguese coaches. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, but overall, I think that, you know, Paco Ayestaran is a great, is a great coach to, to get the most out of Dantas and to, to help him correct the flaws that he definitely needs to uh, improve on in order to become a Primera level player. Um, so really looking forward to this move. Uh, who is your talent of the week, Julio? My talent of the week, I'm going to give it to Daniel Dusanjus because of his history that he actually got uh, infected with COVID and he had myocardiac and he didn't play until last March for the B squad of Mifika. And he came back, he was sent off and now he's in Tondela and first game, official game of the season, a brace. So amazing story. And I mean, it seems a very interesting forward as well so I quite like what I've seen and and definitely my talent of the week great great choice um funnily enough I think that it's just it's just funny because Dantas is such a you know such such a uh such a heralded talent in the Benfica fan base whereas you know Daniel Dos, Dos Anjos I think it was sort of considered, oh, just this other Brazilian kid who, you know, is, 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 is going to end up at a mid-table side. Funny, Daniel, I think, ended up getting more minutes, has more minutes in the first team of Benfica than uh, Thiago Dantas. And uh, that's something that, that a lot of Benfica fans have not lived down. Uh, but, yeah, overall, Daniel Dos Anjos, the really impressive first game, uh, for, first uh, Primera game for, for Tondela. Um, really impressive in terms of just, just his finishing ability. Um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that Tondela are going to be one of the teams to watch this year because I, between, between Eduardo, between Thiago, and as you mentioned, you know, players like Rafael uh, Barbosa, John Murillo, I think that there's a lot to like uh, from this Tondela team. So definitely... Definitely keep an eye on them. This is this is not your parents' uh, tondela. <laughs> um, but with that being said, thank you so much, Julio, for coming on the show today. Uh, it was a real honor to have you on again. And uh, just you want to shout out uh, and 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 tell tell the listeners where they can find you. 
Well, it was a pleasure again. Thank you so much for the invitation. You can find me on Twitter uh, with the handle Julio Costa underscore L-I-S-B or on LinkedIn as well, just Julio Emmanuel Costa. You can find me and have a chat. Obviously a bit busy with work because, you know, a lot of stuff with season with the season going, but you can reach me there and I'm happy to have a conversation about anything. Craven Cottage is in good hands. I think we can say that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will have another Quick and episode for you next week. Make sure to like and subscribe. And yeah, once again, thank you so much for listening to your number one source of Portuguese football.